Best Boy Dan, remember that time we posted a poll where our fans got to choose which show we watched next for our recurring segment of Anime Was a Mistake? Boost. No. No, you didn't, did you? Boost. You went and watched High School DxD instead, didn't you? Boost. <sighs> Fine. We can do High School DxD for this episode, but next time we are suffering through redo of a healer. Boo. Hello and welcome to the Best Boys Podcast. I'm Best Boy Dan. And I promise you, I am Best Boy Justin. We uh, did another Anime is Trash episode, uh, or Anime was a Mistake episode, uh, whatever we call this reoccurring segment, uh, for the show High School DxD. Um... It was an interesting experience, uh, don't you think, Best Boy Justin? Yeah, I mean, I had never, I had never watched it or really even known anything about it before this point, other than that it was like really horny. Um, so it was an interesting experience to to see what parts of my preconceived notions were correct and which ones weren't. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit more later on in the episode. Yeah, but uh, first we're gonna hit you with a little bit of banter and then the. Usual stop by WEEB for our anime news. Uh, and up first, uh, I want to discuss uh, something I saw out in the wild, uh, which was someone carrying a uh, Naruto uh, collab with Coach collab with um, Michael B. Jordan uh, bag uh, on the subway <laughs> the other day. Uh Best Boy Justin, have you seen any of, of this gear? No, I was aware that they did some sort of collaboration, but I don't think I ever actually looked at it. So uh, this was, this came out, God, I guess it must have been right before uh, COVID. Um, Best Person Cat and I went to uh, Comic-Con and uh, the Viz booth had... The, like Michael B. Jordan Naruto coach collab, and they had like shoes and um, bags and all this sort of stuff. And we got uh, pins each day that we stopped by um, that are like really nice pins um, that have like different um, symbols from like Naruto on them and like kind of uh, coach designs. Um, but uh, all these items, you know, being a high end fashion brand, are like. Hundreds upon hundreds of dollars. Um, so I've never actually known anyone to have owned it. it. It's like a nice looking bag. And like, it's exactly what I like with like anime merch, which is like not overtly weeby nerdy. Um, but just like, if you know, you know, sort of deal. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, like kind of nice. Like um, a few years ago for like my birthday or something, best person cat got me uh, a Pokemon center, Pokemon like leather wallet. Um, and it's just like on the surface, like a black leather wallet with like red interior. But if you look closely, like there's like a Pokeball stamp on the outside of it. And that's like the kind of things I like. So um, 
cool to see that in the wild. Uh, uh, just that people are actually out there uh, buying this. So maybe we'll see see more. Yeah, I mean that's some expensive uh, anime swag there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I'll, well, I'll like I'll stick to my <laughs> my pins and my uh, ashes. <laughs> uh, stick to my. Um... Uniqlo, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, cola. if I'm gonna spend that uh, kind of money on anime stuff, I would buy like a perfect grade like RX78 before I would buy a coach bag. You could buy two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but moving right along, I just before we dive on into the anime news, um, I wanted to take a minute to talk about some Jose, um, just because I've been in, I've been enjoying um, watching my love for Yamada Kun at level nine ninety nine. Um, even though I did read the manga, I am really enjoying the show. The show is bringing a lot of really interesting stuff um, to the table. And I notice a lot of other people on, you know, Reddit and wherever um, are enjoying this one, too. People who are not traditionally, like, you know, into Jose, which is not hard to – it's not hard to not be into Jose because it doesn't get a lot of representation. Um, but, like, I'm just really – you know, I'm really glad to see that it's getting some, uh, some screen time. And – um, I hope to see more of that uh, coming in the future. But along those lines, I did want to, for those of you who maybe um, are finding an interest in Jose for the first time, um, give you guys a manga recommendation. Um, since there is not a whole lot of anime out there for Jose, um, and most of what, what is out there you're probably already familiar with, like Wodakoi um, and what have you. Um so my uh, my manga recommendation for you, if you're enjoying my love for Yamada-kun at level 999, is um, a little manga called Black Sesame Salt and Custard Pudding. It's got... Uh, that th- sounds delicious. It does, right? Um, it's got three uh, volumes out. It's, the, it's just three volumes. It's completed. Um, the synopsis is as follows. Uh, 22-year-old Haruhi Fukunaga lives her dream life in Tokyo, working her long-desired job as a heavy machine operator. When her father suddenly demands that she return to the countryside to help with the family business, a frustrated Haruhi decides to visit a bar for a few drinks. The next morning, she discovers that, in her drunken stupor, she had married a man twice her age. Feeling partially responsible for the incident, Haruhi's now husband, Nagato Sunohara, determines uh, to exi- uh, to assist his new bride in convincing her father that Tokyo is where she truly belongs. Um, so yeah, it's a cute little Jose um, age gap kind of romance comedy. Um, it has a lot to do with like gender roles and, you know, um, family expectations and those kind of fun uh, recurring themes that you get with like a Jose rom-com. Um it is available in English. You can get all three volumes on Amazon uh, digitally. Um, they're like nine bucks each. Um, and I highly recommend it. So if that's something you're into, if you're enjoying Yamada-kun, um, maybe, uh, maybe check this one out. Yeah. Uh, you know, you asked me uh, what would be good for uh, best... Uh Best boy Mike and best girl Alyssa, uh, Yamada-kun would be a good option for them. Yeah, I think they'd enjoy that. Um, yeah, Yamada-kun, if you're if you're not watching it, is a fun little um, Jose rom-com, basically about a girl. She um, she gets dumped by her boyfriend, and in like in a in a a way to try to get back at him, she decides to go to this game 
uh, event that for a game they used to play together, and she runs into Yamada, who is like a professional gamer, um, but he's super awkward. Also, like we haven't really talked about it too much on the on the pod. Um, also, he's he's definitely it's it's not so much coded in the anime, but in the manga, he is definitely on the spectrum. Um, oh yeah, no, for sure. And it, it, it is it is you know it's not like they hide that in the anime. I just feel like it comes across better in the manga. Um, so you know he's kind of he's he's socially awkward. He doesn't pick up on social cues. Um, he's very straightforward. He doesn't understand nuance. Um, and it's kind of like this um, this way of uh, exploring her kind of um, independence and his uh, coming to uh, rely on other people and be used to um, social interaction. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, if, if you're, if you're a fan of anything, I just said, you should check it out. It's a, it's a really good uh, show running right now on Crunchyroll. Um, but you know, it isn't yeah, running on I, Crunchyroll. I really enjoy it. <laughs> uh, oh, are you, have you been keeping up with it? Uh, I am a couple episodes behind, but, uh, you know, from what I have seen, I really like it. I, even Wonderful. just the beginning, like I love her, um, her meltdown uh, just in like kind of how real it can be and how crazy you can get uh, uh, when you're heartbroken. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the, the show did a good job with that. Um, yeah. But um, sorry to, to destroy your brilliance. No, no, it's okay. No, it'll be fine. We just won't segue anymore. We'll just, <laughs> we'll do this segment for another hour and we'll call it a day. How about that? Um, okay, sounds good. Um, yeah. So yeah, how you been? Oh, you know, I've been pretty. And if you didn't want to listen to that, then uh, let us know on Instagram at bestboys underscore pod, or send us an email at the gmail at the bestboyspod at gmail dot com. We would love to hear from you. Tell your friends about us. Leave us a review, rate and view five stars, the whole nine. Um, but with that out of the way, let's go ahead and check in with Studio Web for some anime news. <laughs> That's right, Best Buds. We have all the news you could possibly deep fry tempura batter style and then shove down a walrus's throat. That actually, it sounds kind of lovely. <laughs> My mind is a scary place. Uh, animation industry veteran. Phil Rinda announced on his LinkedIn account on Tuesday that he has joined the Pokemon Company International as Director of Original Animation, where he will be involved in producing animated films, series, and short-form content. Rinda was previously Director of Creative Leadership and Development for Original Animation in Netflix. Uh, prior to this, he was Vice President of Development at Nickelodeon and Creative Director at Cartoon Network. Before his executive uh, roles, Rinda won a Primetime Emmy for his character design work on the Billy and Mandy's Big Bogus Adventure animated film. Uh, he has also worked on other shows such as Gravity Falls, We Bear Bears, uh, Adventure Time, Chowder, uh, The Venture Bros, and The Lego Movie. Um, dude sounds like he's got a good resume. Uh like I, I especially appreciate that it looks like he's worked his way up, um, having like actually like worked in producing things such as like doing character design. Um, I'm always for executives who have like, you know, actually done the work that they ask other people to do. Absolutely. 
Um, and he's, you know, Netflix, Nickelodeon, and uh, Cartoon Network. Uh, so I think... Never heard of him. Uh, yeah. Uh, now uh, he's moved on to Pokemon, so uh, they must have big plans for him. They're going to make a Pokemon Jose. Uh, who knows? Maybe. Maybe that'll be the next movie. I have, a, I have, I have a pitch. Jose. I have a pitch. <laughs> it's all about, yeah. all about a, a young widow who recently lost her husband and recently uh, is relearning to um, engage with the world through her, her uh, former, her now dead husband's uh, Pokemon that he left behind. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a Jose drama. Okay. What do you call it? Hmm. Lapis. Not without my Meloetta. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I, I, when you said that, I realized I only know like 40 Pokemon names off the top of my head. Uh, you know what's funny is that could have not even been a Pokemon name and you wouldn't have even known. I would have had no way. You could have been like, like fucking Assault Rifleman. I'd be like, yeah, probably. I don't know. That is a Pokemon. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And Texas. It's actually a Digimon. Oh, that I believe. Um... Yeah, so with that behind us, the Oshinoko uh, Anime Official YouTube channel posted the first episode of its behind-the-scenes documentary. Uh, the first episode covers the pre-production uh, script, uh, character design, and concept art for the series. The documentary is available with English subtitles, so go check it out. Um, if you were curious why the first episode is 90 minutes long, the anime staff explain why here. Uh, to quote the producer Shimpai Yamashita, to begin with, we are all uh, big fans of the manga. We did not want to cut any important scenes and dialogue just to make it fit into the common anime format. Director Daisuke Hiramaki elaborated that they did not want to chop up one volume into multiple episodes. It was agreed upon early on to make one longer episode that could be played as a TV special or in theaters. The staff also explained that they received a lot of input from the manga's creator, Aka Akasaka. Uh, right? Did I say that right? Yep. That one always trips me up. <laughs> it's a tongue twister. Uh, and Mango uh, Yoko Yari, uh, especially when it comes to aspects like the character designs and background art, the creators provided extra content for many of the design choices in the original manga, uh, which as why the certain characters uh, all have stars in their eyes. Uh, for all the fans out there who are wondering what the uh, stars signify, which I actually would am curious to know. Um, the anime staff chose not to explain for now. Um, so yeah, I, I, it seems interesting. I actually do want to check this out when I get a little bit of free time because um, I, I really enjoyed the first episode uh, and encourage people to to check it out and not get spoiled by the internet. Yeah, that's always a plus. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm super into Oshinoko, um, and I'm glad that uh, we're getting some background info on it. Yeah. Um, and with my first two stories done and dusted, there's only one thing left to do, and that's crime news. That's right, Best Buds. We dove into the seedy underbelly of anime news to bring you these stories. Um, the Tokyo District Court 
found 35-year-old uh, game and anime composer Hidekazu uh, Tanaka guilty on Friday of violating Tokyo's nuisance or trouble prevention ordinance and, com- uh, and committing indecent acts before handing him a suspended 18-month prison sentence. Uh, if Tanaka remains in good behavior for three years, he will not serve prison time. Police had arrested Tanaka on Tokyo uh, in Tokyo on October 24th on a charge of attempted forcible indecency, a Japanese legal term which includes sexual assault. However, the court formally ruled that Tanaka violated a different ordinance. The court also found Tanaka guilty of taking voyeuristic photos up women's skirts 11 times between last September and October uh, at train stations in Tokyo and Kanagawa Prefecture, as well as indecent exposure of his lower body on a train between Japanese railways, uh, Yurakuchu, and Tokyo stations. The court noted that the victim of the first offense, a high school girl, ended up not being able to go to school for a week after the crime, as she is now fearful of interactions with men, people walking behind her, and crowded trains on her school commutes. The presiding judge concluded with uh, noting that the victim, this case uh, will never end. The judge then admonished, admonished Tanaka to never forget about the victim and never air like this again. Tanaka had admitted in March to using obscene language to a 15-year-old girl and attempt to commit acts of obscenity towards her. According to the authorities, Tanaka said, I'll give you money, so won't you put out for me, to a teenage girl and forcibly took her hand at the train station bicycle parking area uh, in Tokyo, uh, Meguro Ward, last August. In court, Tanaka stated that he liked her face and presence, so he followed her from the train and then tried to commit an obscene act. Um, it basically goes on to list, you know, more of his things um, that he's done, more of kind of similar stuff. Um, for background, um, he's most known for composing things uh, such as the anime uh, Nyaruko Crawling with Love, Aikatsu Servant Service, the Idol Master Movie, uh, Idolmaster Cinderella gor- Girls, Sword Oratorio, uh, and Is It Wrong to Pick Up Girls uh, on the Dungeon? Uh, well, it sure is wrong to try to pick uh-huh. up girls at the bike stand, tell you that much. Wait, wait, wait. Did he also do Bochi? What the? No, heck? that's Hitori Bochi. That's a different thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, wait, no, do not besperch my poor Bochi with this, this pervert. Um, oh, and he also did uh, Pokemon Journeys. So, yeah, this guy's a scumbag, and uh, I kind of wish he got more time than that. Yeah, I mean, it's complicated, you know, because I'm a prison abolitionist, but, like, I feel like what he... There should be more here than an 18-month prison suspended prison sentence. Like, some kind of some kind of rehabilitation other than just, like, don't do it again, you know? Yeah. You know, uh, when you're caught... Uh, when you're caught... 11 times taking photos upskirt of women in a month. Right? Like, you gotta do something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, this is a real big issue in everywhere, um, but definitely particularly Japan. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, I don't know if I've ever talked about this on the pod before, but did you know that Japanese cell phones um, do, <laughs> do not have yes. an option to remove the shutter sound from your camera? 
because of Do exactly I know. this. I, I used to work at a certain fruit store fixing phones. Oh, that's right. <laughs> you did work at the fruit store. I I definitely had customers come in trying to get their phones replaced so they could get rid of that. Yeah, that's rough. Um, yeah, it's a Japanese law that uh, all phones have to make a shutter sound whenever a picture is taken, which is probably how they caught him. Yeah, which is not to say like, oh, look at Japan. Japan's nasty. Um, but like I, you know, for uh, without putting too fine a point on it, at least they did something about it. It, it uh, all right. We're a little side tangent here. It, it is interesting that we are having a conversation about this in the context of the larger show that we are doing today, <laughs> right? Like part of the issue is how Japan handles sex and the culture surrounding sex, which is, I don't think a problem unique to Japan, but yes, no, 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 for sure. But it just in the, you know, we, we make an anime podcast and Japanese culture podcast. So in the context of the world that we explore, um, you know, this is an issue with kind of a culture that represses sexuality. Um, you get this kind of, you know, perversions and whether or not they're a direct result is up for debate. There's a lot of different theories in the, in, in the scientific world about behavioral psychology and all that shit. But yes, yeah, so <laughs> my, my point being, at least they, they identified a problem and did something about it, which is something if you live in the country <laughs> that we live in is kind of a novel and new experience, but. Um, yeah, that, that is fair. <laughs> what? Uh, men face uh, accountability for sexual uh, crimes? Right. Crazy. Uh, all right. And uh, with that, uh, we're going to get into a little bit more somber story. Uh, the Asahi uh, Simbun newspaper reported that Kyoto District Court will start the main trial for the arson case uh, that killed 36 people and wounded 33 others at Kyoto Animation uh, on September 5th. The court plans to announce its verdict on January 25th, 2024. The trial will have a total of 32 hearings in September and October. The hearings will be held two to three times a week for a total of 10 hearings uh, for each of those months. In November and December, uh, hearings will be held five to six times each month. The Kyoto District Court uh started pre-trial proceedings on May 8th. The pre-trial was to decide the schedule for the main trial and is also discussing prior issues and evidence. The presiding judge in the pre-trial is Keisuke Masuda. On July 18th, 2019, a devastating fire broke out at Kyoto Animation Studio One building. A total of 72 uh, 70 people were inside the building at the time. In addition to the victims inside the building, a man in his 40s on his way to work in the area suffered minor injuries from smoke inhalation. Uh, Tokyo Prefecture Police appre- or Kyoto Prefecture Police apprehended the then 41-year-old suspect, now 44, who allegedly used gasoline to start the fire. The man allegedly bought 40 liters of gasoline in two canisters and used a cart to transport the gasoline to Kyoto Animation Studio One building. Japanese prosecutors formally indicted the suspect in December of 2020. Um, that's crazy. I didn't know we brought 40 liters of gasoline. That is a, a decent amount of gasoline. 
Yeah, uh, this, I mean, this, I remember when this story came out, it was so big in the um, anime community and just like such an absolute tragedy. Yeah, I mean, it and, even it even hit mainstream Western news. I think it, there was a story about it in the New York Times. Yeah, um, so it's, uh, I am happy that the families of those affected are going to see uh, some justice in the court. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> your turn. Yeah. Moving on to more lighthearted crime news. Um, early last week, somebody hacked the, my anime list, one of the largest anime and manga websites on May 10th. Users found all anime series titles replaced with the phrase. Let's all love lane from serial experiments lane. Um, according to my anime list notice of emergency maintenance, a malicious individual has tampered with user scores and inserted a code to display pop up to anyone who visits their profile or list during the attack. They have also reported no data breach of their users personal information at this time. Uh, using serial experiments lane to attack my anime list is not exactly out of left field. Um, the series follows an awkward and introverted junior high schooler named Lane Iwakura, who receives a mysterious email from a dead classmate who turns out not to actually be dead. The classmate, Chisa Yomoda, tells Lane that she has left her physical body and currently lives in the cyber world called The Wired. Serial Experiments Lane has garnered praise for its questions about the physical and virtual world, social alienation, mental illness, and theology, and has been lauded for being ahead of its time. Um... This is a this first first commentary on this is I have been meaning to to finish watching this show for a very long time. Um, it's one of those shows that really messes with your head, and I probably was too young to watch it, and also in too fragile a, a headspace to watch it when I tried to the last time, and just never uh, picked it back up. Have you ever seen this one, Dan? Uh, no, it's it's been on my list uh, for a while. Um, I do love <laughs> that it gets hacked by clearly like some nerds. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's, uh, it's definitely, I think this is going to push it a little further up on my list now, but my, my second piece of commentary on this is that I'm surprised it was, um, a serial experiments lane fan and not a full metal alchemist brotherhood fan trying to restore, <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever place that it may have lost at the top of the list for whatever reason. Um, because okay. I tell you what, if you, if full metal alchemist drops to number two, <sighs> them, them motherfuckers on the internet start going nuts. Can, okay. Can we talk about that for a second? Sure. You can talk about whatever you want. Uh, sure. So like, how long is that going to be a thing for like forever? I mean, I think? I assume that the the there will at some point be a heat death of the universe, uh, but <coughs> until then, it's just like it's so bizarre to me. And then because I was actually like thinking about it, this the other day, like I actually devoted time in my life to like ponder these questions. And and the the other part of that that I was wondering, I was just like, I wonder what the actual like my anime list would be if this if it wasn't such a meme yeah i don't know i feel like at this point it's become like a law of nature like objects in motion must you know want to stay in motion objects at rest tend to stay at rest and if full metal alchemist brotherhood drops to number two a whole bunch of internet weirdos will brigade whatever show has dethroned it. <laughs> 
Because, like, I, I love Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, but I don't, that wasn't even our, like, top must-watch, like, anime. Like, I, I don't think I would put it at number one like that. And <laughs> especially with all the, like, amazing shows that have come out over the years since, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's, but, a, it's a weird thing that I don't fully understand, but, um, <laughs> you know, whatever. If that's how you choose to interact with the internet, there, I guess there could be worse things to do. It's um, just like one of those like weird hive mind internet things, right? Like, just... do do they all wake up? Like, is there a, a synchronizing sound that when they all hear it, they check my anime list and go, "Not today, not today, well, Oshinoko." You have to imagine that there's literally tens of thousands of people, or like five guys and a bo- and a bunch of bots, yeah, <laughs> which is most likely what it is. But like, but there's pro- like assuming it's legit, there's like tens of thousands of people that are like keyed in enough to my anime list ranking service that and are devoted enough to either the meme or <laughs> um full metal alchemist that like whenever this it gets topped they're aware of it and they act on it in a timely fashion in my head i like to imagine that it's kind of like lord of the rings when they light the the torches of gondor and they're like, Rohan calls for aid. <laughs> That's what I yeah. like to imagine. But anyway, getting getting yeah. back out of the weeds. Um, my final news story for this week is not crime news. Um, it's, it's, it's Gundam adjacent news, I guess, kind of. Um, Sunrise Beyond has announced that um, uh, Kyoko Nosoki, a new work for its Amame Warrior at the Borderline project with Toy... Um, and hobby company Bandai Spirits will be a six-episode anime that will premiere in the summer. Uh, the company had also unveiled a visual and its cast. The tagline reads, It ends on this island. It breathes from this island. Um, the synopsis from the original uh, anime that premiered in October 2021 is as follows. The story is set in the year 2061 with Japan under a state of occupation by multiple states. The world, including Japan, has been consolidated under the rule of four trade blocks. The entire archipelago is now the front line of conflict. The Japanese people live under a state of constant occupation and oppression, with humanoid war machines called Amei patrolling its streets. A young introverted boy named Amo Shiba has a chance meeting with the autonomous AI Guy, and uh, his acquisition of the Amei Kembu begins a story that will see him attempting to take back Japan. Um, this is a fun little fact about the show that I didn't know while it was running. Um, but industrial designer Ken Okuyama, who uh, designed the Enzo Ferrari car, fourth generation Chevy Camaro, uh, E6 and E7 series Shinkansen trains, um, and his Ken Okuyama design company were credited for mach- uh, mechanical design supervision, while the company's designer Yuya Koyanagi was credited for mechanical design, alongside Kanetaki Emikawa, Kenji Teraoka, and Ipe Gyobu. Which is interesting because Ken Okuyama also designed um, a, at least one, but I think maybe a, uh, more than one uh, Gunpla designs. Um, so, what a wild resume. <laughs> I know, right? Um, he's designed everything from bullet trains to, to Gundam models. Um, but I think, uh, you know, this is kind of interesting because um, Amem was an interesting story that just kind of fell flat for a lot of people because um the tone was very inconsistent it would swing wildly back and forth between like a very serious hard-hitting military war drama 
Um, and then just like a happy-go-lucky kind of, oh, look, the AI is a little robot dog, and, um, you know, <laughs> let's all be friends, and this girl wants to make pottery. Um, and so, like, it was kind of hard to stay invested in. This one, just based on the pictures and the, the character designs I've seen, seems to be a bit more of a grittier story um, that it's trying to tell. So, I don't know. I'd be curious uh, to watch this little six-episode special um, this summer and see, you know, if that if that maybe there is some more ground to be covered in this uh, in this show. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I I built uh, the ghost uh, HG kit. Yeah, that is the one the one redeeming quality from Amim. Not one, there are a couple, but one of the major ones is that the mecha designs were really good. Yeah, um, I really enjoyed the kit. So um, they're all like on sale now because that you know shows mostly over. Yeah. Um, other than this, but if you're out there and you're interested in kits, they're worth checking out. Absolutely. And if you're out there and you have anything you want to tell us about the news stories we covered today, um, are you interested in what's going on in the world of Amame or did you just write it off? Uh, is Oshinoko your number one anime of the season? Let us know. Send us a, Hit us up on Instagram at bestboys underscore pod. Send us an email at thebestboyspod at gmail.com. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Don't forget to uh, you know tell your friends about us. Rate, us, rate and review us on your uh, podcast provider of choice. Uh, give us five stars and let us know what you like about the show. Um, but with all that out of the way, I think it's time for us to dive right on into the meat and potatoes of this week's episode. They were saying there's like zombie purrs everywhere, know what I'm saying? If so, then that means you're patient zero since you grabbed my chesticles on the train yesterday. Say, dog, I'd have to be infected to willingly touch your fugly ass man titties. I'm telling you, bro. You ain't got no jiggle. So, hey, mind if I poke your bazongas? Dumbass. To quote a famous man, anime was a mistake. And we found that to be true today. We watched High School DXD. Or is it DD, D cross D? I think it's DXD, but I also don't know or care to find out because I'm a hack and a fraud. (laughs) Um, It was written by Ishii Ishibumi, um, the original light novel, that is, uh, who uh, also wrote Denpachi and Slash Slash Dog, or Slash Dog. they, I couldn't really find much else on Ishibumi, um, except that uh, he won the 17th Fantasia Award um, for the light novel Denpachi, uh, his first work. Um, not much about Slashdog, but really hit it off with High School DxD. Um, it was illustrated uh, by Miyama Zero. Uh, Miyama Zero has a little bit more information on them. They uh, originally illustrated uh, Arrogay, uh, but have since moved on to illustrating light novels, um, card games such as Lychee, which I haven't heard of. Um, they also uh, work under the Dojinchi circle name Stray Moon, uh, if written in English, uh, when they publish erotic Dojinchi. Um, when working at... 
as an eroge scenario writer, they operate under the name uh, Maya Sarumi. So if, if you like the imagery from the show, uh, now you know what names to look up. High School DxD began as a light novel series written by Ichi Ishibumi with illustrations provided by Miyama Zero. Uh, it was published uh, from September 20th, 2008 to March 20th, 2018, across 25 volumes. A bonus story called The First Aryan Office Edition was released on July 2012 uh, issue of Dragon Magazine as a Bunko Bon volume. After the release of Volume 25, Ishibumi announced a sequel, Shin High School DxD. Continuing from where DxD left off, the first volume of the series was released on July 20th, uh, 2018. A manga adaptation illustrated by Hiroji Mashima began serialization in July 2010, issue of Dragon Magazine. A spin-off manga called High School DxD, Ozzy and Konako's Secret Contracts, illustrated by Hiroichi, was serialized in Monthly Dragon Age from the October 2011 issue to April 2012 issue. A second spin-off series, titled High School DxD, The Work of the Devil, was published between April and August of 2013 issue of Monthly Dragon Age and collected into one volume illustrated by Soda and adapted into the short stories found in the light novels. Uh, Ishibumi has worked, uh, has grouped the light novels into a number of story arcs, the first uh, arc being titled The Red Dragon Emperor's Awakening, uh, and that ran through the first two volumes, uh, and that pretty much covers the uh, first season of the show. Uh, Birth of the Breast Dragon Emperor uh, is the second story arc and follows volumes three through six. Uh, the heroic Opai Dragon follows volumes seven through 12. Uh, the fourth arc, The Legend of the Opai Dragon and His Lively Companions, uh, which is also my stage show, uh, follows the volumes 14 through 21. And the fifth and final arc of the series, Red Dragon Emperor and the Blazing Truth X, White Dragon Emperor and the Morning Star, colon, the true dragon, parenthesis, S of the Kuo Academy starts at volume 22 and ends at volume 25. Uh, and like I said before, there is a whole sequel series. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's a lot um, of high school DxD. A lot of high school DxD. All right, we're almost done with all the background, and then we can get into all of the, uh, all of the anime goodness. Um... Just to cover a little bit of the original story's reception, uh, according to Oricon, High School DxD was the sixth top-selling light novels, novel series uh, in Japan for 2012, selling a total of 650,000 units. Uh, it uh, also sold over 350,000 units the next year, putting it over a million units. Um the English volume of the first manga reached number two in the New York Times bestseller list. Um, and as of March 20th, 2018, the first 25 volumes had 4 million copies in print. So this is a very popular story. <laughs> yeah. Um, clearly, there is, a, there is a market out there for this, um, and you'll understand You're why telling me we... there is... <laughs> who, would, who would want... To see such things, Justin. Well, you'll understand as we go through the story. Um, <laughs> but before we do, let's talk a little bit about the anime adaptation, which is what we're going to be going over today. Um, it was directed by Tetsuya Yanagisawa, 
um, who did Orient. He also did the storyboards for Fate Stay Night. It comes to us from Studio TNK, which did School Days and Redo of a Healer. Um, so this is par for the course for them. Um, it originally aired January 6, 2012 to March 23, 2012, and it has 12 episodes in this first season, um, plus one episode uh, OVA as well. Um, the anime oh, adaptation... we didn't watch the OVA. <laughs> no, we can't. Um, the anime adaptation of High School DxD aired on TV Tokyo's satellite channel ATX and other networks from January to March 2012. Uh, the ATX airings of the series are uncensored, while the airings on TV Kanagawa and other networks are heavily censored, which they would have to be. Um, there are six DVD and Blu-ray compilation volumes which were released by Media Factory uh, between March and August of 2012, each containing an OVA short entitled Release the Swaying Delusions. Uh, a second season followed in 2013 oh, with the third and fourth seasons in 2015 and 2018, respectively. Did you have something to say? Uh, yeah, I can only imagine what Swaying Delusions refers to. Yeah. Um, but without further ado, the synopsis is as follows. High school student Issei Hyodo is your run-of-the-mill pervert who does nothing productive with his life, peeping on women and dreaming of having his own harem one day. Things seem to be looking up for Issei when a beautiful girl asks him out on a date, although she turns out to be a fallen angel who brutally kills him. However, he gets a second chance at life when beautiful senior student Rias Gremory, who is a top-class devil, revives him as her servant, recruiting Issei into the ranks of the school's occult research club. Slowly adjusting to his new life, Issei must train and fight in order to survive in the violent world of angels and devils. Each new adventure leads to many hilarious and risque moments with his new comrades, all the while keeping his new life a secret from his friends and family in high school DXD. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's the synopsis. Uh, as far as the, the technical stuff of the show goes, the music of high school DXD... Uh, was composed by Ryosuke Nakanishi. Eight pieces of theme music are used for the three seasons. The opening theme for the first season is Trip Innocent of D, which is performed by Larval Stage Planning, which is a really different band name. Um, <laughs> while the ending, I like it. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate it. Um, while the ending theme song is uh, Study Study by the voice actress unit Stylip S, uh, consisting of Arisa Noto, Yui Ogura, Kaori Ishihara, and Maho Matsunaga, who all had voice roles in the anime. Um, the songs were released as CD sing uh, singles on January 25th and February 5th of 2012, respectively. Under the Lantis label, and an original soundtrack was released in March 2012, also under the Lantis label. However, what uh, High School DxD is, is quite known for is its award-winning English dub. Um, at the Behind the Voice Actors Awards, Jamie Marchi won Best Female Lead Vocal Performance in an Anime Television Series or OVA in 2014 for her portrayal of Rias Gremory. The series also won Best Vocal Ensemble in an Anime Television Series OVA in 2015 for Season 2. And I will say, I am generally not someone who watches the dub, but I did quite enjoy the dub in this uh, this show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I, I had recommended that Best Boy Justin at least watch like an episode in, in the English yeah, we'll, uh, for this. We'll talk a little bit more about what we liked and what we didn't like as we wrap up the uh, uh, the episode here today, but I did uh, did very much enjoy the, um, the dub for this one. Um, the anime adaptation as a whole received mixed reviews with critics praising the visuals and music score and sometimes the fan service as well. While many reviewers found the story to be lacking in depth, shocker, um, 
The general consensus was that taken as a fan service focused series, it holds its own against other titles in the genre. Yeah. So, with that said, I think it's probably time that we, now that we have the backbones, the skeleton of what, what makes High School TXT, we get into the meat. The, the meat and potatoes of the meat and potatoes. Oh, God. Um, so, I mean, do you, how do you want to handle it? Do you want to just, like, kind of go through the story and just, like, kind of, like, hit it as it goes? Yeah, so what we're going to do, um, and, and, you know, for those of you listening out there who might want to watch High School DxD on, on your own and haven't seen it yet, uh, I mean, it's been, you know, almost 10 years, so maybe, you know figure that out but this is the point where we're going to start getting into spoilers we are going to talk about the plot of the show um we've broken broken it down into three kind of arcs um of you know each one is about four episodes long um and we'll we'll kind of discuss it um for the various plot points that happen um (laughs) heavy emphasis on the quote-unquote plot yeah uh throughout those uh those three arcs uh so to say um so yeah, for the first one, uh, episodes one through four, Issei becomes a devil. Um, so it kind of starts off with Issei, who's our main character. He's a, a pervert. He's, uh, you know, a loser. <laughs> he's he, like, what, 14, 15, 16? Yeah, he's, How old is he? He's, yeah, he's, he's around that age. And he basically, him and his little group of pervert friends, they are some of the few... Um, male students who have been admitted to what was formerly an all-female school. Um, and they came here because they thought they'd have a really good chance to ogle women. Um, because um, that's how which, they make their decisions in life. I, I mean, that's, like, their entire, like, being. Like, they are the most, like, tropey, like, you know, all they talk about is, like, oh, yeah, I want to see some, like, sweet gazongas. Yeah, like, you're going to uh, hear that word a lot, gazongas, like, by the way. Yeah, gazongas and sweater meat and like you know just every every euphemism for like boobs and sex and women and you could possibly think of and it they like you know do the whole shtick where they get caught like peeking in the locker and and all that sort of stuff. Um, but it changes uh, one day when uh, a girl comes up to Issei and asks him out on a date kind of out of nowhere. Um, being the pervert that he is and not even knowing this girl, he takes up the opportunity to uh, go on uh, the date with her and go out with her uh, and cue the the kind of sweet date montage, right? Yeah. They like, uh, you know go to the cafe they you know go to the aquarium all the all the stuff you've seen before um friends are all jealous that you know he has a girlfriend you know out of nowhere and whatnot and uh everything's going good for ec he's you know he might even get to touch a boob uh you know his his one his one dream in life um which is interesting because it's not dissimilar to another protagonist that we've had recently. Oh, really? Who might who might that be? Uh, I'm you know just thinking about Denji. Oh, I was thinking about Mineta. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I it's interesting that uh, Issei doesn't get uh, brought up into the conversation. Well, that's because Issei's um, supposed to be trash. Yeah. So uh, so everything's going great for him, uh, and he uh, meets up with his his lady friend by a fountain. Uh, and uh, best boy Justin, what what happens to Issei at the fountain? Uh, well, you know, what happens to Issei at the fountain is he finally gets to see some boobs um, very shortly before he gets violently <laughs> murdered. Um, and then the story I, I ends. Do, and it, I do appreciate that they do they do the, like, magical girl transformation <laughs> and show the boobs because, of course, they do in this show. Yeah. This is, this is a full nipple show, by the way. Oh yeah, yeah. We we we. There's there is no there is no none of the Barbie doll um, breasts without nipples or light you know light shrouds or steam clouds. Um, they don't. They're they're not messing around here. Um, you don't need the Blu-ray. No. Um, <clears throat> but uh, you know, yeah, he gets killed by um, by a fallen angel um, who has deceived him because he has some sort of uh, what's referred to as a sacred gear inside of him um and she kind of she spears him through the body with a with a spear of light and leaves him to die um and uh you know in his last moments he finds himself wishing he could see uh rius uh again specifically he wishes i think he could see her boobs because he is who he is um and it turns out that he, someone earlier that day, had slipped a magic circle into his pocket, uh, which activates and summons Rius uh, to his side, who brings him back to life and turns him into a devil who beco- uh, and takes him into her service. So yeah, uh, after this, Issei has learned that he is now uh, possessed by Rius Grimmery, who's this like banging redhead who showers almost every episode. Yeah, um, she does shower a lot. <laughs> Which I also find interesting because she's like the uh, she's the head of the occult research club, which is the cover for their little devil organization. And she's also the like um, heir to the House of Grimmery, which is like one of uh, what is it like 52 surviving devils from the great like devil um fallen angel angel war because angels and fallen angels and devils are all against each other yeah something like that um yeah the world is is a little confusing um and i like everything in this show is all just set pieces for boobs and butts and panty shots anyway yeah Um, none of this matters (laughs) <laughs> yeah, none of none of it matters. Um, the points are all made up. Um, but yeah, so he he learns that he's like part of this. Um, oh yeah, yeah, I remember what the side tangent was. Yeah, yeah, they're the head of this occult research club, and she has a shower in their club room. Yeah, really bizarre placement. I don't know how they got <laughs> the coding for that building because there should not be plumbing in the middle of that uh, 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 club room. Yeah, and then she'll just, like, talk to people while she's showering. Like, for no reason. Yeah, no reason at all. Um, other than to just show her showering. Um, but yeah. Uh, so he's part of this devil group now. He answers to, to Rius. Um, 
Yeah, and and in true anime fashion, we don't really like learn anything else. He's like, cool. I'm. I guess I'm immortal now. I you know can't go into a church um, or touch a Bible. You know. All the you know, oh, devilly things. We did forget. The one thing we did forget is how she brings him back to life. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. He, like, wakes up and, and she's in bed with him naked. Yeah, because that's how you heal people. Yeah. Like, you know, she just has to be lay in bed with him naked. Uh, and he, like, wakes up and her boobs are in his face. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, he goes out, he's got a new lease on life as a devil, uh, and he bumps into, uh, a nun named Azia, like you do. Um, and she's also his age, uh, I guess. Uh, it turns out she's actually in the, uh, service of, uh, the Church of Priests and Fallen Angels, uh, under the angel who originally killed Issei, uh, Reynare. Uh, Renari has decided to steal, uh, Azia's special healing power, uh, killing her in the process. Um, Issei having, you know, being, having made friends with her and being the, uh, protagonist of this harem, uh, I guess, you know, it is important to note that this is a harem etchy shonen show, right? So it, it abides by all of the rules of those genres, right? So he is the quintessential shonen protagonist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, he's always got to, like, save the person and, and, you know, be the hero and all that sort of stuff. So he, he goes to rescue uh, Azia, but he has, like, not figured out his powers yet. It's all good. Uh Rias and and company come and and save the day uh even though Ozzy is dead you know they uh they uh bring her back um because they can do that um because they just revive her as a devil um Issei also manages to use his sacred gear for the first time to defeat uh Reynare uh and uh and yeah that's that's kind of the end of that little section uh, and that brings us into uh, episodes five through eight, where Issei learns about the world of devils and angels. Uh, best boy, Justin. Yeah, so one other important thing to note at the end of that part there is that, of course, because now Asia needs a place to live, that means that now she has to live with Issei, um, because that's, oh, how, yeah. that's how harem <laughs> shows work. Yeah, and uh, do they even mention like his parents yeah they they do a thing where like rius comes to his house and like she she has like um like hypnosis powers and she like uses her powers of suggestion to to get them to agree to um to have her live there um okay so yeah that's a thing that happens um anyway moving on uh uh basically you know after this point um, Issei kind of spends some time learning more about the world of devils um, and his place in it. He is uh, Rias's pawn. Uh, basically, the way the power structure in this show kind of works is it's based on chess, because of course it is, you fucking incels. Um, <laughs> you pointed out to me at one point that like it gave you like strong like Andrew Tate vibes. And who is that other like piece of shit like chess player? Um... I don't know. There's a bunch of them. Uh, 
Yeah. But, um, but chess players tend to be kind of assholes. <laughs> I, I would not be surprised if Andrew Tate, who apparently has some interest in anime, uh, loves this show. Um, but anyway, moving on from Andrew Tate, who I wish was still in jail. Um, Issei kind of spent some time. He's learning about being a pawn. Basically, you have like the leader of each like group of devils is like the king and there are their servants there are classified by chess pieces so you have a queen who is like the most powerful like magic user um and like you know the right hand person of the of the of the the leader and then you have bishops who are very strong magic users you have knights who are super fast like swords people um you have the rooks who are like your tanks so they're really strong and and good at defense um and then you have the pawns who are like the foot soldiers um, and they are they have the power of promotion. So if they are in enemy territory, um, they can basically be promoted to having the all the powers of all the other pieces. Um, so, yeah, Which I'm pretty sure they do away with this power system after this season. Do they really? That is fucking hilarious. I would be <laughs> like they put all this effort in and then it just becomes like. You know, Issei just powers up by touching boobs. Yeah, especially because, like, what they do with that later on, which we're going to talk about. But, okay, fine. I'm so glad they just ditched that. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, in addition to learning more about the world of devils, Issei comes to understand some more about the dragon who lives inside of his sacred gear. He is one of the, like, elemental dragons. He is the red dragon emperor or something like that. Um, basically, he's... As we find out later on in the show, he is the red dragon from the Welsh flag. I don't know why that's important, uh, but... I didn't even catch that part. <laughs> yeah, so, um, you know, that's a, a thing. Um, but he comes to learn more that there is actual, like, a living being inside of the, the sacred gear that he has. Um, and he learns more about how to use its power. Um, but, of course, this being a show about devils... They there are uh, familiars involved. They do spend an episode looking for familiars. Asia manages to get a familiar who is like a, a male baby dragon, and of course because he's you know um, opposite of a, a harem protagonist, he does not like other men. So that means anytime he gets close to Asia, the dragon shocks the shit out of him, um, which is actually kind of satisfying to watch. The um, they're looking for Which, a, again. I also think they get rid of the um, familiars in the second season. Yeah, and this part as actually um, where they're looking for a familiar from him as well. He doesn't find one. It's basically just used as a, an excuse for them to have a slime that dissolves clothes, attack the women in the gear in the group. Uh, and melt all of their clothes off because, of course, I think also at this point, if, at some point in this kind of sequence of events, it is revealed that uh, Rius basically uh, each leader has eight pawns that they can use. Um, and she used all eight of those powers to bring him back to life. So, like, he's like a super pawn, I guess, which apparently doesn't matter anymore anyway. But that's a thing that they, they explain. <laughs> um, and it is shortly after this point where the clothes have been melted off and, you know, Issei is still trying to get a handle on his duties as a devil and so on and so forth. Um, 
the ultimate antagonist of this season, Riser Phoenix, comes to claim Rius as his fiance, and Issei, of course, picks a fight with him, and they settle on having a team battle. And I'll let you handle the rest from here, best boy Dan. Yeah. Um, so, uh, of course, you know, since they have a battle coming up, they have to do a training arc. Um, Issei has to get his, you know, special attack before the end of the show. Uh, and then finally the showdown begins. Um, turns out uh, Issei's special uh, attack is uh, a magical move that rips women's clothing off. Um, because of course they, it is. Yeah, get scared and cover themselves and he then blasts them with a laser. Which it seems like if you can blast them with a laser <clears throat> anyway, why not just blast them with the laser? Reasons. Yeah, I, I guess. I, uh, of course, I, I've forgotten that if you do that, then of course you don't get Can, to blast their clothes off, which is the point. Canonical reasons. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, we forgot so, the nipple lasers. Reynari had nipple lasers in the first arc. We forgot to talk about it. Yeah. It's a thing that happened. You know, while yeah, we're talking about yeah. lasers, there were um, lasers. Which is like up there with uh, Gates of Booty Lawn. Yeah, there, 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 there were some pretty top, top-notch nipple lasers out there. <laughs> So Riser captures Rias. Uh, Issei, of course, has to be the you know big protagonist and the only one left. So he rushes over to to go one on one with Riser. Uh, at this point, he's pretty worn down. Riser uh, defeats him, and and right before he can strike the killing blow, uh, Rias surrenders um, because she doesn't you know want Issei to to get killed. Uh, she cares for him too much. So she surrenders, and so the match is over, and with that, Riser claims his new bride. They then go back to uh, the underworld, where Riser uh, forces Rias to put on an engagement party, where he makes her wear a wedding dress, too. Yeah, that part um, was weird. It was weird. It was really just to put her in a wedding dress for reasons. I guess people enjoy that sort of thing. Uh... Of course, Issei shows up, uh, he sacrifices his arm with the Red Dragon Emperor uh, to make a deal to get the power he needs to defeat Riser. Uh, he uses uh, that power in combination with some holy items that he got from Azia. Uh, <coughs> he can like, actually like hold like a cross in holy water with this in his arm now. Um, and then he like throws them on him and then defeats him. Um, and then he gets to take back Rias, and, uh, the, uh, fly off, and she kisses him, and, uh, the show's over. Oh, wait, just kidding, she decides that she's gonna come live with him. Because of course she does. Because, because, yeah, because, you know, now it's gonna be him and Rias and Azia all living together. Um, which gets very gratuitous in season two. I'm sure it does. We'll never know, yeah, though. A lot of... Yeah, you're not going to watch season two, Best Boy Justin? No, and I guess this is a good time for us to kind of move into our, like, kind of our, our thoughts uh, about the show, uh, how yeah. we felt about it. What Do you want to lead off, or should I should I get some, some thoughts across? Well, all right. So, I guess we can contextualize a little bit, for starters. So, as we discussed in the beginning, where we kind of laid everything out, like, this is... A popular show when it comes to 
etchy and we haven't done an episode specifically on etchy yet that's kind of long overdue for for the best boys um but when it comes to etchy etchy this is like typically regarded as the creme de la creme the top of the top um and i think the reason for that is is there's a lot of nudity in a lot of different varieties so like whatever your taste is it's going to be represented here you like you know obscenely large breasts they're there you like redheads they're there you like flat chest they're there you like lolita it's there you know it just has... to clarify if, if what you're into is women yes if you're into is women um <laughs> if 2d women if that's what you're into yeah um there's god there's not really a a counterpart to this that's just like i guess free would be the closest thing you could get to this on on the male or the female gaze or you know like ogling men kind of side Mm. um but yeah it, it this is like in terms of that specific genre this is considered you know the top there's a lot of a lot of nudity, and it it is regarded to have a an excellent story. I personally don't think it has an excellent story. I mean, <laughs> I think it barely has a, a story. I guess maybe um, compared to other like pure etchy shows, it probably does. But even then, I don't think that's true because I think even like um, what was that show that came out like two seasons ago? Um, with the 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 demon woman summoned by the little boy, um, oh, um, Verme and Gold. I think even that show yeah, had yeah. a better plot than this show did. Um, well, so, so here's the thing too: is like you also have to consider the time. This is written in 2009. The anime comes out in 2012. Um, when you talk about Echi and Harem of that era. You're looking at more things like typical etchy harems such as, uh, you know, Love Hina and that style of show, mm. right? Uh, or you're looking at shows like Freezing or Machin Key, um, which are these kind of like battle etchy shows where you have women fight and then, like, battle damage, like, shows boobs, which is, like, a whole genre, weirdly, <laughs> in anime. Um, just, like, battle damage etchy. Um, but this is, like, in my opinion, kind of, like, a melding of, of those two, right? Like, it's a battle anime that also has a story and it has boobs, right? So... For a 12, 13-year-old boy who wants to see some 2D titties, you know, this is an effective medium. Like, they can get those boobies in their eyes while ingesting a halfway decent story. And again, comparative to, you know, (laughs) something like Love Hina, which maybe doesn't have the story that, like, you know... 13 year old boys will resonate with as much as like, you know, fighting groups of people. 
Yeah, and I mean, make make no mistake, the the, the target audience for this the for this show is pubescent boys. Um, it is it is it is boys who are who dream of of basically being like oh you know, something happened that caused me to have, you know, massive powers that I never knew I had. And also all of the hottest women around are now like, you know, bound to me by some string of fate and I get to see their boobs a lot. Um, which as a pubescent boy, that's kind of sounds like a pretty sweet deal. Yeah. And so that's where I struggle with this show, right? Because I think at its core, all right, this is this is an anime was a, a mistake episode. And I think at its core, it is very successful in what it sets out to do, which is to to, it's to be a booby show, right? You know, it's to be a show that uh, horny uh, men or people who are interested in leering at the female form, um, typically, you know, <laughs> of that prepubescent age, uh, you know, that's the target it's going for. And it nails it. It it hits all of those targets head on. It does it well. It The animation, like, you know, in terms of things that work about the show, like, the animation is well done. You know, the, the fight sequences are, you know, pretty decent. They're not, you know, Demon Slayer. Uh, but they're not the worst I've seen. I mean, they're not um, Demon Slayer, but, like, even... they're not, you know, Way of the House Husband either. They're pretty decent. Yeah, they're... I Honestly, they're kind of in the middle of the pack in terms of animation. Yeah. Um, the music's good. Uh, but, like... I kind of forgot where I was going with that. That's fair. Um, so I guess my, my main question for you, then, Best Boy, is do you like this show? What are your What are your thoughts about High School DxD... As far as you're concerned, did you enjoy it? Oh yeah, yeah. So, so, so I was talking about the context of it and and how it is. So it, it does succeed in all all of those things, um, but like in the broader context of like anime as an art form, is it is it a quality show? No, <laughs> no, no. Um, that is why it is on the not. episode of our podcast that it is. Yeah. So, and I guess. This is a uh, time to talk about something that we've like mentioned, but never like, you know, fully gone into depth, and which is like my experience with like etchy shows and and all of that stuff, and like I've seen a fair bit of them out there, because um, I was a, a, you know, a horny teenager once upon a time, uh, <laughs> uh, and I checked all, all of those out, and and I do remember coming across this the first time. And being really impressed with it in comparison, um, you know, because at at the time that this came out, streaming was incredibly new, and there were very few options of what to watch. Um, it, we do not did not have Funimation, Crunchyroll, High Dive the way it exists now. It was like you know, buying stuff on iTunes and, like, you know, maybe you have stuff on, like, Hulu or Netflix or, like, uh, I think I think Funimation existed back then. Crunchyroll was, like, just starting out. But, like, there were only a few of those shows, and this stood out uh, head and shoulders above a lot of the other ones. Interesting. Yeah, so uh, it is interesting going back and watching it with a little bit more critical eye and being a little bit more keyed into 
the anime like consciousness um because i am surprised with how lauded the show is right like and and i think not even just for what it is it gets praise um which surprises me because i think it is good for what it is but i don't think it deserves the kind of general praise that it gets that's that's my take on it okay but then returning to my to my other question, did you like what what tell me about your personal uh, viewing experience of this show today? What was did you enjoy it? What what did you find enjoyable about it or not? All right. So, did I like it? Um it was okay. I will admit I liked the the plot of the show. I think it is well drawn. Okay. Um and you know, uh, red-blooded hetero leaning male like i yeah i like looking at that stuff um the thing that stood out to me most watching it is i'm actually really frustrated by isei Mm -hmm. um as a character and that actually made it really difficult to watch because i just find him to be such a reprehensible protagonist and a terrible like role model or um like wish fulfillment vessel right um and and i think that that is worth talking about because you you touched on earlier about how this is like a wish fulfillment show um and like how it's like a sweet deal is like a 13 year old boy um to uh uh, like get this you know sweet harem with you know all these babes that are tied to him by a string of fate and like all that sort of stuff but like he doesn't deserve it and I think that's the biggest issue like he is lecherous he is rapey um, he uh, you know is like trying to view women uh, in private situations. He's trying to grab people while they're like asleep. Um, and it gets laughed off. They're like, oh, you say you're such a perv. Um, and the only character who like does anything is Conoco. And she does the like typical, like, you know, smash him through a wall sort of thing. But even then she kind of does it with like a, like side grin, you know? Yeah. So that that really bothers me with it is that like he is just a horrible character and they're just like oh that's Issei. Yeah, and I mean unfortunately that's just kind of how <laughs> shows like this work. Um if they if they did if they did the thing they were supposed to do, the show wouldn't work. And I think that's maybe something worth exploring about why do we make shows like this? Um well, I think but, if you look at, like, a more modern example, like, uh, Mother, uh, wait, no, not Mother of Goddess Dormitory, um, though I suppose even that one, too, right, is, like, the, the protagonist doesn't have to be awful, like, um, oh, a perfect example is, uh, this season, the, um, the Terrace Goddess show. I don't think I even watched it. Uh, well, so the whole premise is that, like, he takes over the his, like, grandmother's, like, uh, cafe, and they all, like, have to live with him, and he's, like, kind of a dick, but, like, 
he ultimately wants the best for everyone, and so, like, they... I, I mean, I assume they go to grow to like him, but in this show, like, like he has their back in a battle, but in all other regards, he's just like a creepy lech to like everyone. <laughs> right. No, I'm not saying you can't make an etchy show without this kind of character. I'm just saying you can't make this kind of etchy show without this kind of character because the, the, the premise doesn't work, um, which is why I'm saying you should maybe explore why we continue to make this kind of show. But, I mean, as far as the show is concerned, um, obviously I, I'm not a huge fan of it. I wouldn't be, we wouldn't be doing this episode of it if I was. Um, as far as the viewing experience is concerned, did I enjoy it? I didn't hate it. I didn't, it, it's probably out of all the shows we've watched for this series. We, <laughs> what have we watched so far? We watched Domestic Girlfriend. We watched uh, Do You Love Your Mother and Her Two Hit Multi-Target Attacks. Um I think it's probably, although Domestic Girlfriend was a better show, I enjoyed watching this one more than the other ones. <laughs> it's just it's not as like awful cringe yeah, as so, Domestic Girlfriend, and it's not just as straight up terrible yeah, and as... At some moments it was even funny, so I guess that kind of gives it a, a leg up over the rest of the show's. Do I like it overall? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I can appreciate that it does, it is kind of well well regarded as a show in this particular genre. Uh, and I can understand why. Uh, having, you know, I'm not, I'm not as huge into like the etchy harem comedy things, but like, you know, just from what I have seen, this one does do the kind of, um, the, do, do it better than other shows that I have seen in the genre. Um, so I do appreciate that for it, at least. Um, I do enjoy that it has a very good English dub. I was very surprised by that. I think yeah. one of one of the most surprising things about this show is how good the English dub is. Um, it really made me um, appreciate the character of Kaneko more than I did otherwise, because like before she was just kind of like, a, like, oh, there's Kaneko. She's a member of the harem. Um, she's just kind of there. The only, the only like thoughts that I had about her was that I'm really not super jazzed about the way they made her twerk in the ED. Um, <laughs> but, um, but then once you switch it over to English, is one of the lollies BT dubs. Yeah. That's why it's not like, a you know, the, the part of the ED that I like the least is when they just have her twerking in the front of the camera for like 10 seconds. Um, but um but she's 900 years old <clears throat> but the um where was i going with that but then when you have her in the english dub her character kind of gains a dimension to her personality that actually really works where she's like kind of just really sarcastic and like she calls everyone douchebags um and you know, it's just she she gains a level to her character that she doesn't that doesn't I'm not going to say she doesn't have because obviously I, I don't speak Japanese. I don't understand some of the nuances in phrasing and stuff like that. But when you're reading the subs does not come across the way it does in the dubs. Um, so I can understand why it is very highly lauded for its vocal uh, for its voice actor performances. Um, yeah, Rios so, is also really great. Yeah, from it. from a technical standpoint, I can appreciate the show, but um Really, and All Might plays the, the dragon. <laughs> yes, All Might plays the dragon. Um, but, you know, other than that, I mean, the show is is the show that it is, and it's on the episode of our 
of our podcast that it is on. Um, so it is absolutely trash. Um, and that's yes. that's really kind of it where is. I land on it. It is it is not the worst yeah. trash we've watched for this show, but it is still trash. Yeah, I, I think that like we have been kind of like hopping around the, the trashosphere, right? Like the we trashosphere. We did, <laughs> we did the like um really dramatic like family uh, incest uh drama trash. And then we did the oh, more comedic incest trash. Yeah, we're uh, we're moving and... <laughs> away from the incest genre, which is something I guess I appreciate. Uh, and then we went to the kind of uh, uh, action harem uh, genre. And uh, next we're going to do a redo of a healer, and I'm going to cry. Yeah, it's, that one's not going to be fun. Um, but it's yeah, so be I guess. So bad. I guess any any final thoughts on uh, on on this one? Uh, should you watch it? Um, how horny are you? <laughs> That's kind of it, really. Um, My answer is even simpler. It's just no. No matter how horny yeah. you are, there's something better out there for you than this. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, uh, the, I'm not going to recommend it as, like, an anime show, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, it, this can occupy the same place uh, that, um, uh, oh, God, what is that uh, show uh, where they went around oh, that ended up on um, Interspecies Reviewers? I don't yeah, know. I think, this... I think Interspecies Reviewers is a cut above this show. Because at least everything in interspecies reviewers is like fully consensual. Yeah, that is true. I what's funny is I don't know if interspecies reviewers will actually end up on this um, section. I don't think so. I for based on what I know about interspecies reviewers, I think it's not as it's not the kind of level of anime was a mistake that <laughs> we that we tend to bring to these types of episodes. I think we could definitely do at some point an episode about interspecies reviewers, but based <laughs> on everything I know about it, it's actually, you know, us taking it as a hardcore etchy show. Um, not a bad show. Yeah, no, from, from the, the scenes that I have seen, it's, it's actually pretty funny. So let us know, hit us up in the comments and the reviews. If you want us to do an episode about, um, about interspecies <laughs> reviewers, we have to hear from you in a review. If we hear from you yeah. guys in the reviews, we will do an episode about it. Um, but yeah. otherwise, you should always let us know how you feel about the show. Um, let us know if you're interested and what did you think of our of our kind of dissection of High School DxD. Um, you can let us know on Instagram at bestboys underscore pod. You can send us an email at thebestboyspod at gmail.com. As I mentioned, tell your friends about us. Leave a review. Rate and review five stars. If you want us to uh, do an Interspecies Reviewers episode, let us know in a review. Um, and until next time, uh, you know, thanks for tuning in. And we've uh, we've got something a little different for you in our next episode. Yeah, it'll be fun. Tune in in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thanks for tuning in. Bye. Bye. Bye.